Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello, my name is Kelly Brownell. I'm the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. Our guest today is Timothy Cipriano, Executive Director of Food Services for the New Haven, Connecticut Public Schools. Tim is a chef with over 16 years of culinary experience, um, working in a number of restaurants in the Northeast before becoming the Executive Director in New Haven Schools. Uh, he's received local and national visibility for his pioneering work in the schools. He's advised local politicians and even the White House on uh, how to make schools healthier places. So, Tim, I'm very happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. So let's start with a pretty simple question. Give us a, a sense of the size of, of the New Haven schools, just as an example of how many meals a day get served and what a food service director in a school has to contend with. Okay, we have a student population of 20,000 students, and um, New Haven's a pretty diverse uh, city. 80% uh, of our kids qualify for free and reduced meals. We serve about 17,000 lunches a day and about 12,000 breakfasts a day, and then we do after-school snack programs, summer food programs, and we also uh, are looking to get into this uh, supper program, which is uh, a kind of an offshoot of the after-school snack program, to really promote uh, healthy foods and to feed kids because that's what we do. You know, in New Haven, with such a high free and reduced population, th those are the kids that are coming to school, and this is their only nutrition of the day. So we need to, you know, feed these kids as much as we can so that they can, can you know, move on and, and grow and and learn, you know, because we are uh, school feeding, and that's, you know, what our goal is, is to get kids to learn more. So you're talking about very large numbers of kids being affected by this, spillover effects back into the families, and vast amounts of foods being purchased, prepared, and distributed into the school. So this might, might produce all sorts of logistic challenges. So I know one thing that you've been very interested in is making school foods healthier. Right. As a chef, um, it's hard to go in and serve chicken nuggets and french fries and, you know, sugary drinks or, or anything and look at it and say, ooh, this is good for you and this is good for kids and this is going to help kids grow. And then as a father, I, I feel the same way. So I, when I started in school meals, I said, yeah, this is fine, but we need to change it and we need to do it better. So how are we going to do it better? And we're going to take baby steps to make these changes. So we started off... Um, eliminating chicken nuggets and chicken rings and every other chicken shape possible that's not actually chicken and, uh, and now we serve chicken in the schools and we serve it with real mashed potatoes and so one of the big things that we do is uh, we're a big advocate of the farm to school program supporting local farmers uh, in Connecticut and then because of our size uh, with that many meals that we're producing we you know draw from a, a 250 mile radius of New Haven um, which brings in some other states, but it's still considered local for us. Uh, last year, in 2010 alone, we purchased over 140,000 pounds of Connecticut-grown produce, and that's not including the any produce that our students grew in our school gardens or at our student farm. So that's um, logistically, yeah, it, it could be a little bit crazy. We operate a central kitchen, which services 35 schools, so it allows us to purchase a lot of stuff in bulk, which gives us a better price. Uh, and then my staff at the Central Kitchen produces it, and we send it out cold, and it gets uh, rethermed in the schools. So tell me about some of the realities of having to serve foods in schools, and why did it come to be that things like French fries and chicken nuggets were such a staple in schools? Well, there's a lot of, a lot of different issues, and, and I'm not really 
sure on, on why that all happened. A lot of it has to do with um, keeping things very simple and, um, you know. So e someone, easily prepared. I mean, yeah, easily yeah. prepared. Someone had the, the, the great idea that, you know, the box cutter and the can opener would be the main tools used in the kitchen instead of knives and uh, and food processors and cooking stuff from scratch. It would be easier to open a box, dump it on a pan, throw it in the oven. So convenience was a big thing. I mean, it, it kind of followed the trends of food uh, everywhere else. And now with more chefs getting involved in food service and um, more dietitians looking kind of outside the box and trying to do things better, more scratch cooking is now taking place in schools. And, uh, and the perception from the outside looking in is still that um, school meals are not healthy, but overall, I mean, there's been a, an enormous improvement in school meals nationwide uh, in the last couple of years. Something that people talk about uh, to some extent, but not many people understand, is the U.S. Department of Agriculture Commodities Program, Correct. where schools get things from the USDA. Can you explain how that works and what it what it involves? Sure. We have uh, the next four hours of discussion on this topic. Uh, it's uh, it's called the, they it's now called the USDA Foods Program, and essentially the USDA uh, buys money or excuse me buys products from farmers in the United States. Um, and buys the, the extras and gives it, donates it to schools. So, um, and then from those products, we can take it as a brown box commodity, which is we are taking more of the raw product like uh, hamburgers or, or ground beef or raw chicken products, or we can send that those products to other companies that further process into an assortment of products, anywhere from, from chicken nuggets to pizza and then everything in between. So in New Haven, we do a little bit of both. We take some of the raw products, but we also process because we can, as much as we want to scratch cook and do all that um, in this uh, financial air that we have to deal with, it, it's very expensive to do that all the time. Because we, you need more personnel. You need more personnel. You need um, a, more training, you know, a, a, a higher skill level than some of the staff now. I mean, don't get me wrong. We have great workers and they do amazing things, but... Um, there's a lot of work that goes into preparing 17,000 lunches a day. So we work with these companies that are have clean labels and produce a fantastic product, and it comes in finished. So it's, you know, it'll be in a, in a bag, and you either boil in the bag or the bag is uh, ovenable. So, and it cooks it, and it, if it's a beef product, it cooks it in its own juices, and it, it's, it's a good product, and, uh, and it... The kids like it, and it reduces our costs and our labor, and it, it kind of keeps us within the, the realm of the scratch cooking without actually having to do um, some of the extra labor, which allows us to, to make our own salads and to, you know, uh, make our own mashed potatoes and do a lot of the other stuff that we do. So it sounds like the food program from the USDA overall is a good thing because you get food coming in. But school systems vary in how they how they deal with the food. Some of them use the raw products and cook from scratch. Others get highly processed things made from. Yeah, it. The, the USDA program overall is amazing. It's uh, it's without it, we would all be in trouble. We would not be able to operate our programs um, as much as we do and be financially stable as we are. Um, but there's also the programs are operated state by state. So the state of Connecticut. Um, Linda Ubini, who runs a program, does a, an amazing job and allows schools to use any products uh, basically across the board, whereas other states restrict um, to what products the schools can use. 
So it, it's really, um, while it's the USDA program, it's overseen by individual states and everyone has their own opinions on how it should be utilized. So in your position as the director of the school system, food service, there could be a lot of priorities for you. You could care about locally grown food. You could care, could care about keeping costs as low as possible so you could prepare as many meals as possible. You could care about salt. You could care about fat. You could care about sugar. How do you sort through this and make decisions about what the priorities are? Well, our, our number one priority is the kids. So that's what, that's what we look at. In New Haven, we have a lot of hungry kids. So one of my top priorities is finding an end to childhood hunger. And how do we do that? Well, we work with various organizations from around the state, like End Hunger Connecticut, and we work with Share Our Strength, and we're, you know, there's a Connecticut campaign to end childhood hunger, and that's uh, really big, and it ties in so much to what I do every day because these kids, like I said, is, could be their only meal of the day, so that's a difference. But then there's you know, farmer school. It's important because we want to um, boost our local economy, and, and, and that's a great program to be involved in, and it makes sense from an environmental standpoint of using foods that are grown within Connecticut and transported um, you know, better for climate change. And there's a number of different things. I work a lot with the School Nutrition Association. It's a national organization. It's all school food nutrition professionals. Uh, and they, um, they're the ones, you know, they're looking at the policy too. So, you know, whether I look at it one way and say, well, this is, you know, how I think it should be. And then they're looking at it from, from their standpoint to benefit everybody in the nation. And then working together as a team, we can achieve so much more. So instead of, it's just, it's not Tim's way. It's the way of all the different collaborators working with you at the Rudd Center and working with, uh, the folks at, at City Seed that runs the farmer's markets and everyone else and we, all of us working as a team to benefit the kids, I mean, hands down, that's the best way to go. I can imagine some of the challenges you must face in making some of these changes. So, the, I mean, it's sort of general lore that healthier food costs more than the unhealthy processed food. And so at the same time you're having these budget pressures put on you, you're trying to create healthier options for the children. How has that played out? Well, thanks to the support of Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Mayo, Will Clark, who's the Chief Operating Officer, the Mayor uh, in the City of New Haven. People get it that we need to feed these kids better food. So the reason I was hired was to, to come in and really change the food system in New Haven and starting with the schools. So I have some an, an amazing support team above me and below me, um, that, and we all work together to, to do this. So that makes my job 100% easier, while at the same time, 100% harder. Because we have, while it's, um, I have basically the green light to make it happen, we need to make it happen, but we're still a business. So we need to make these changes and still stay within budget. And that's where the difficulties can come in. So, but working with local farmers, you can keep your costs in line, you can keep your costs in check. And then talking to different community organizations and like, how can we do this uh, economically, um, in smart at the same time. So if we can come up with a plan to have the kids grow their own food and that's going to teach the kids where the food comes from, teach them about the, the cycle of life and the cycle of food and, uh, and that's, where we're, that's where we're progressing and moving towards. 
there must be interesting challenges with personnel as you're requiring different skills from them. I mean, if, if in the past they were simply opening boxes with a box cutter, putting things, you know, fresh things, think, not non-fresh things, but processed things, um, like chicken nuggets and onion rings and french fries and things like that out. Now you're asking to deal more with the natural food products. Has that created particular challenges? Well, it certainly creates challenges, but I'd say 95% of my staff are moms and dads, and they cook at home. So you just have to take that the family dinner and multiply it by you know a couple hundred thousand, and then you... Uh, you, you, you do the same thing. So, yeah, well, initially when I came in and said, you know, we're getting rid of these fake mashed potatoes, just throw them out because there's no use for them, and we're going to bring in fresh red potatoes with dirt on them, and we're going to wash them and make mashed potatoes. Everyone looked at me like I had five eyes and said, this can't be done, and we do it all the time. So there's just um, a little bit of training. You know, the one thing that we didn't do was we did not do enough training in the beginning. There's this, these boot camp models around the country that different school districts are adopting now. We should have done one in the beginning, and that's um, it really hasn't slowed us down, but it certainly hasn't uh, helped us move forward any faster. So given the budget pressures, how do you deal with the issue of competitive foods? And so for people who don't understand, haven't heard that concept, maybe you could explain it and then talk about how you deal with the f- fact you might be raising money by selling things that some people might consider junk foods. So I'm going to ask you what junk food is because we don't sell junk food in our schools. We don't sell any competitive foods. We, uh, you know, the the kind of the false impression is that you bring in snacks, chips, and and sodas or candy or Nutri bars or any of these cereal products, and that you sell them, and you're going to make all this money. And it's cash coming in. Well, we focus our efforts on the reimbursable meal. So we want to put out the best meal that we can and take the money from the state and the federal government. The We did sell snacks when I started, and our food cost was very high. We're talking between 70 and 80% food costs. And then once you tie in the labor cost and then pilferage and everything else, you're walking away with you know, in the red, and you lost money by selling these products. So there's, and the, and also the, the issue of um, the free and reduced population comes up again because with 80% of my students qualifying for these meals, they don't have the money to spend to buy these products. So essentially, if they want a bag of chips and a, a juice that's um, not part of the meal, then they need $2 to get that times five days, times the number of kids in the family, and all, that's all the money that's coming off the dinner table. So instead of having that great meal at home on, on a Monday night, the family's you know pinching pennies and trying to figure out what we're going to eat because the kids wanted to be like their peers, which is natural, and uh, and they took the money from the parents, whether it was given to them or, or you know taken out of their pockets, and uh, just to be like their friends. And and that is uh, is a big problem with me and. In our efforts to end childhood hunger, um, that we just eliminated the whole program. Well, that, that's a pretty startling thing that you're you're mentioning. That there's this common perception out there that schools can make money from selling these junk foods, and you say that that's not necessarily true. I think it's a, it it also comes down to the demographics of the city because in our city with this high free and reduced population, we can't make money doing it. In other cities and towns that have maybe families are a little bit wealthier or there's more money that's free-flowing, you could possibly do it. But 
do we need to subsidize our programs by selling junk food to kids right. when it can be done that we can feed kids the meal of the day, get the reimbursement, and move forward? I don't think it's the right way to go. So as you've been making these changes, which are really pretty important changes in the nature of the food you serve and the way the training is done for the staff and things like that, what's been the reaction of the students and, and families and things like that as the healthier foods have become the norm? Yeah, the students have been great. I mean, they're kids and they have opinions and some are, you know, positive and some are negative and I've gotten letters, great stuff, and I've gotten petitions to reinstate chicken nuggets. It's not going to happen, but, you know, the kids are being vocal and, they're, and they let us know what they like. But, you know, two weeks ago we kicked off, let's move salad bars to schools in our school. We serve just vegetables um, from the salad bar, and the kids went nuts. I mean, we had black bean and corn salad and tomato, cucumber, onion salad. And kids were asking me for more onions. You know, we want more raw onions. How come there's not onions? You know, and they were getting upset that there wasn't enough onions on the salad bar. Onions. Come on, have you eaten a raw onion? I mean, it's like pungent, and it's not a typical vegetable you think a kid would want more of. So I think the the reactions have been really positive. Um, some of the older students, the high school kids, when we have our roasted chicken, which has bones in it, by the way, um, and served with mashed potatoes or, or roasted winter squash, the kids refer to it as Sunday dinner. Hmm. So that is a great thing for me to hear and then just seeing the smile on a kid's face I mean that's just seals the deal that's really nice much reaction from families the families it depends I mean New Haven's a pretty vocal community um, and reading the the blogs online and in the comments um, there really isn't much I mean there's yeah they're 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 positive and some and you know it's like the kids reactions a little bit of both um, you know, but some of them, I think, just the maybe don't understand the, the concept of, of school food in general. And so in New Haven, we rely on um, the federal and the state reimbursement to pay for our meals. And in order for us to do that and, and also feed 75% of the kids um, free meals, and that 75 is different than the 80%, the 70, we were provisioned too for our, all our K-8 schools in our largest high schools. And then we have these eight small magnet high schools that draw from a large area of different towns and um, those kids uh, pay versus whether they're free, reduced, or, or paid students. Mm -hmm. So we feed um, the majority of the kids free meals every day. And in order to do that and to actually um, be financially sound, we need to limit our meals to the meal of the day mm -hmm. and then a few options. And then this year with this crazy winter, the options have really dwindled because, you know, we had an alternate as a salad or a deli sandwich, but when you're closed for three days in a row, the salads are gone and they're mush. So instead of throwing away food, we just stopped with uh, all the different options and uh, really limited to the meal of the day and then a sandwich or, uh, or a, a bagel and a yogurt uh, meal, which isn't maybe on the top of the line as healthy, but it allows us to uh, to use a product that's not going to expire and uh, and wilt away and uh, so this is where the financial part comes in and that's okay. where uh, some of the families and parents um, have issues that we're not serving as much fresh produce um, in the winter.
So I'd like to end by asking you about something that you mentioned earlier. You said that there was this new innovative program about serving suppers. Could you describe what that's about? Sure. It's a program through the through the USDA, as um, the other programs are. Where um, there's a couple towns in uh, in Connecticut that are have just started it, and uh, we're kind of letting them be the guinea pigs. We want them to figure it out. The reimbursement rate is the same reimbursement we would get from the federal government for dinners, or excuse me, for lunches, minus the um, the state reimbursement. So. Because we're part of the, the Healthy Food Certification Program in Connecticut, we get an additional $0.10 cents reimbursement per lunch served, and we would lose that. Well, we wouldn't lose that, but we wouldn't benefit from that with the supper program. So now my um, cost for suppers will go up if we adopt this program. So we're really looking to these other districts to kind of figure it out and see how they do it before we uh, sign on. So the who program. are the kids that would take advantage of this? Are these the kids that stay for after-school programs? Are these kids that would come back to school to have a yeah, supper? Um, how would it work? These would be kids that are in after-school programs, and we would, we're would we looking at um, the schools that are in the, the highest uh, poverty-stricken areas in New Haven, and those are the ones we would start with because we know those kids are the ones that need these meals the most. And then on a, on a final note, the... For summer meals, we're looking at uh, acquiring a food truck for the summer. You know, food trucks are the big craze everywhere. But we want to have a food truck that passes out free meals to kids 18 and under um, in areas of New Haven where the kids can't get to a school or to a feeding site because it's either too far away or they have to cross a major intersection. And these kids are kindergarten age up to 18. And, you know, we want to be able to bring the food to them to feed more kids in the summer. Those The summer... And uh, snow days and vacation periods are at times when um, kids have very limited access to foods. And this is uh, something we're trying to overcome. Well, I salute your passion, your ingenuity, and uh, your commitment to dealing with these issues. It really can make a difference for thousands and thousands of kids. So congratulations for what you've accomplished. Thank you very much. So our guest today was Timothy Cipriano, Executive Director of Food Services for the New Haven, Connecticut Public Schools. Um, and an individual involved uh, at the legislative level, both nationally and locally. Uh, Please visit our website at www.yalerudcenter.org for a variety of resources, including a free email newsletter that gets dispatched monthly and a list of the other podcasts that we've recorded with excellent guests who have come to the Rudd Center. Thank you.